0: Today we're joined by Ginny Reddy, who is the author of Wonderland, which was shortlisted for the Stanford Dolman Award for Travel Book of the Year and for the Wainwright Prize. She's contributed to Anthology's an Award-winning guidebook, Wild Times, and her latest text and poems have been displayed in exhibitions at London's Southbank Centre and at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew. As a journalist and travel writer, she's written widely for the national press and in 2019 was named a National Geographic Woman of Impact. In her writing, she increasingly occupies a cross cultural, cross genre space where place, spirituality, nature, and culture meet. Ginny was born in Britain to Indian parents from South Africa and raised in Quebec, Canada. She now makes her home in Southwest London. And today we're excited to welcome her to the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the podcast today, where we're speaking with Ginny Reddy. Hello, Ginny. How are you?
1: Hello, Victoria. I'm well. It's so good to be speaking to you.
0: So you've had a busy week, haven't you? Did you say you're just back from Wigtown?
1: Um, yes, I was at the Wigtown Book Festival um, and uh, it's, a, it's a glorious festival. It's kind of like Scotland's answer to hay on why. really enjoyed it.
0: Okay, well, I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast to speak to me. So we've actually been friends for quite a long time. I was counting it up before I spoke to you so two thousand and three I think we met
1: yes, we did oh right. my gosh that's <laughs> a really long time ago now.
0: So we were at the London College of Communication on the postgraduate course in periodical journalism
1: Yes, that's right yeah was that your first or second degree was that had you that
0: was so that was my yeah that was my postgraduate I'd done um I had a complicated route, but I did English and American studies, basically. At, um, I started at King Alfred's College, Winchester, and then I was ill, and then I finished it with the Open University. What, I, what did you do before?
1: Okay, um, um, I, I think I was, you know, probably one of the older students in the, cl- in the course. Um, I, ha- I did my BA in Geography at McGill University in, in Montreal, in Quebec,
0: okay. and
1: I did a Master's in English Literature, um, but in France.
0: I didn't um, know that.
1: So yeah, I hadn't studied for a long time before I I came and did the course um, at LCC.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, well, it's funny how we've not sort of talked about. No, uh, even though it's over eighteen years. There's actually, and there was so much reading Wonderland, your book. There was so much that I realised I hadn't ever asked you. Um, over the years? Like for example, I didn't know that you volunteered at Mother Teresa's. So
1: I had, I started out in book publishing in London and I, when I left my job, I had planned to go to Nepal and volunteer. And I went to Nepal and I didn't really have a plan and the volunteering kind of fell through. This was before before the internet, before mobile
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it was much harder to to organize things. And um, so instead, I went trekking myself and a guy from Yorkshire who I'd met there. When we were trekking, I met somebody who said, "If you want to volunteer, go go to Calcutta, okay. go to Mother Teresa's." So okay. I thought this might be an idea. And so yeah, I I ended up volunteering there for three months in one of the orphanages, and there were a great many volunteers and. If I'm honest, I think we probably got more out of it than the children did because, you know, we were quintessential naive Westerners going in, um, you know, looking after the kids um, and the kids would grow a little bit attached and then we'd leave. But at the time, you know, it was really a really meaningful experience for me. It was my first time in India and, you know, I, I hadn't, it was, it was unplanned and, you know, I have Indian roots. So yeah. So that was interesting, you know, feeling both quintessentially Western and, yeah. and looking very much like the locals.
0: That must have been strange. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think I, I explored that. Um, you know, I don't think I delved mm. into any of that at the time. Um, I did on subsequent yeah. trips, but but, uh, but when I was there, I was just, you know, wide eyed and, and, and thrilled to be doing this and, and meeting Mother Teresa as well.
0: So you wrote an article, didn't you, about your time? in Calcutta is that right is that the one that was published in the times
1: yes so what happened was you know the experience meant such a lot to me that I felt I had to put it down on paper and eventually when I came back to the UK I was doing these awful temping jobs because I couldn't find Mm -hmm. a proper job and um, in my spare time I'd be trying to write what I hoped might be an article and I think I must must have written it about 30 times over you know typing it in my spare time in these temp jobs and posted it out to all the newspapers and because that's what you did then
0: yeah um, I remember
1: uh, and I had rejection after rejection, and then the Times said yes, and I was beyond excited, Victoria. And I
0: bet you were. Was uh, did they write to you? How did you find out?
1: They wrote me a letter. he wrote me a letter. Mm-hmm. I think I still have it somewhere. And I went out and I, you know, when it came out, came out uh, on a, on the a Saturday before Christmas um, in their Saturday edition.
0: Oh, how exciting! Uh, I went
1: out and bought three copies. I think. Um, yeah. And. And so, yeah, so that was the first piece I had published. But this was long before I did the postgraduate
0: journalism course. Oh, okay. I didn't realise that. I remember knowing that you had an article published in The Times because I think it was one of the prerequisites, wasn't it, for the course that you had to have been published somewhere? Yes. um, I'd managed an article in The Lady which I was Ooh, I was very chuffed excellent. about yeah I remember going down to my local news agents and buying you like you about three copies and he was asking me you know if I wanted to be a nanny because <laughs> so that's where they post all the listings oh, isn't it <laughs>
1: it's not that easy to be published in the lady, so that's that's pretty good uh, for your book oh,
0: well thank you <laughs> um so Sue so had a gap after writing the article, before you did the course in journalism, but yes. after the course in journalism, that is that when you started off as a travel writer. So, so
1: basically, after the after that piece was published, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to keep writing, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't yeah. I was even aware that there were journalism courses. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of flailed about for for a few years, some really difficult, really challenging years, and then out of desperation, I did the course, and I loved the course, and. Um, yeah. After that, I think for about a day, I had a full-time job as a junior writer on a magazine, and I, yeah. kind, of, I kind of bridled at being in an office. There was something about mm-hmm. it that I, I resisted, and so I, I left on the first day. And I think that made me quite unpopular. But I had had, I think, three articles that I'd written for the course for our course. I think yeah. um, So I, I, I sent these articles to a magazine, to a health magazine. They took all of them. And I took that as a sign oh my goodness. Um, that I was meant to be a freelance writer. Definitely. And, and from there, about a year or two later, you know, I thought, oh, I see people are travel writers. I'd like to do that. I'm going to give it a go. Surprisingly, it didn't take that long to, to get into it.
0: I remember I, you just seemed to kind of finish the course and then just be writing, just have all these, you know, assignments that you were working on.
1: Yeah I mean I did pitch really hard and mm. I networked like crazy um, but I remember with the the travel writing I, I still remember you know like I think the very first one I did was for that same magazine that natural health magazine mm. uh, I think I did a travel feature for them and that made it easier for me I guess a little bit easier um, but I still remember the first the two big trips I did they were three weeks apart what the first one was to Japan and the second one was to Kyrgyzstan and I still remember Receiving in the post, you know, back when you had hard copy tickets, and receiving this ticket to Japan to Tokyo and oh holding goodness. it and thinking, I can't believe this
0: <laughs> happened. So yeah, it was really exciting. Cool. So you worked as a travel writer for quite a long time, didn't you, before shifting?
1: Yeah, so probably around fourteen years. But I was also Um, doing features. So I wasn't, I was doing maybe maybe 60, 70% travel and the other 30% features.
0: So when did you decide that you wanted to write a book?
1: I think I would wanted to write a book from the time I was little, from the time I was about four. And, you know, when people would say, what would you like to do when you grow up? That's the one thing I always wanted to do. But I never really knew how how I would go about doing that. You know, in Montreal, there wasn't that much of a book culture, not like in the UK. So my first book happened in a roundabout way. I was having a, a drink with a fellow travel writer who also happened to be um, the marketing director, I think, of a travel book publisher and I was telling him about some things I had done and he said you know you you, there could be a book in somewhere in this and why don't Mm -hmm. you pitch to us and so that's how my very first book which was hybrid narrative guidebook uh wild times came about although I'd always had you know a desire to be a more literary kind of writer I was incredibly grateful for that opportunity
0: it was a good start I remember your book launch it was a really fun night
1: it was great. It was in the Rebecca Hossack Art Gallery, and it was it was, it was great. And I'm so pleased you came. I remember
0: it was very exciting. It was, it was so busy. So many people came out to support you, didn't they? In the
1: yeah, there was a, it was a really nice vibe that night. Very special. I'm really grateful.
0: Am I right? You did quite a lot of the promotion of that book, didn't you? It was really successful. I remember you got some. Didn't you get some really big coverage in the national papers?
1: I think uh, I I worked really hard, also had some journalism contacts, Mm. Uh, I remember the day of my book launch I had a double page spread in the metro which I was really thrilled about. That's what I was thinking about. And I think think, yeah yeah, I think the Telegraph ran something and and, um, some of the other papers the travel publisher had Uh, I don't know that they had uh, a publicist as such I think they had a marketing person Um, but I was really keen keen I I quite enjoy quite enjoy marketing you know I quite enjoy that side of things so yeah so I did I did quite a bit myself.
0: And how soon after did you start well did you get the idea for Wonderland how did that kind of come about?
1: I, I think I tweeted something completely unrelated to do with A feature I'd written on to do I think it was to do with train travel and I noticed that one of the people who liked it was a publisher at an imprint at Bloomsbury Uh and I remember seeing this and thinking oh this is interesting so Uh I contacted him and I said um, would you like to have a coffee? And he said yes. So we met up and I'm really excited to be there. And, and we mm-hmm. met up and he opened his notebook and he said, Okay, what would you like to write about? <laughs> yeah. And I hadn't been expecting that. Um, so I was giving him some vague idea to do with women and nature. Mm-hmm. And he said, Okay, go away and write a proposal and, and come back with it. So I started working on this idea. And then I realized that this wasn't really what I wanted to truly write about. What okay. I wanted to write about was far more esoteric and quite spiritual mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure whether it would fit in with this imprint you know because it was yeah. a wildlife imprint of Bloomsbury and this wasn't really a this wasn't at all a wildlife book um, although it had to do with yeah. nature writing a bit so I went back to him and I said look thank you very much I think what I really truly want to do I don't think you'll want I think it will be too, too esoteric for you. So thanks anyway, and, and, and bye for now. And he said, well, well, hang on, you have to write a proposal for somebody. You may as well do it for me. So I felt I'd been given permission, um, miraculously. And so so that I came up with this idea, which became Wonderland.
0: I think that's really brave, though. You know, you think that they're after something else, and then you had the courage to still say, do you know what? That's not actually what I want to write.
1: I think, I think I was only able to to be confident in that way because I think there was another publisher who was a little bit interested okay. in, in, in my ideas. And so in a way I felt, you know, I felt like I had another something okay. I to turn to if this didn't work. Yeah, maybe it's a case of I didn't know enough not to be confident. Yeah. I don't know I don't know that I'd be quite so confident this time around.
0: Oh, I think that's really good because it did work out really well
1: it did and and he you know he was in- incredibly supportive he allowed me to write this book in the way that my heart wanted to write it so you know wonderland mm-hmm. is really about my search for the magical in the landscape and i was seeking yes. a more spiritual dimension to my roaming Um, You know, I'd been a travel writer for a long time, and I'd had opportunities to meet people from indigenous cultures. And when I met them, I was always struck by the way that for these people, it was perfectly natural to enter into this reverential, reciprocal relationship with the forces of nature. And I wanted to know if somebody like myself, just a regular person, might be able to experience a glimpse of the world in this way and so that started me off on the journey so for somebody from a wildlife publisher yeah you know, to to embrace this idea and let me run with it was an incredible gift because I don't think it, it, it would have worked out otherwise no I think, I think it would have been too prescriptive and it, it, this this book needed a lot of freedom
0: And as I said, it it just turned out so well. I love it. It's a really personal narrative though, isn't it? You really let the reader into your innermost thoughts and feelings. And when I was reading it, I just, you know, I was wondering, is it hard to be that vulnerable and, you know, really write from that place of truth? When you were writing, were you afraid of judgment or could you block that out?
1: In, in one sense, I found it natural, in a way, easy to be vulnerable on the page. Um, but on another, right. on, a, on the other hand, I was really anxious about how the book would be perceived, particularly among the nature writing fraternity, because I was talking about okay. spirituality. I was talking yeah. about magic, you know, the kind of magic that overcomes mechanistic thinking. It was a little bit esoteric. So I was really anxious about how I would be perceived. Um, but I kind of wrote that into the book as well. I try to be honest about that. So I did carry this anxiety with me all the way through the writing of the book, um, mm-hmm. right up until I handed it in. And I was, I was like, silently praying, you know, please be okay with it. And very shortly after I sent it in, I remember being absolutely astonished and over the moon when my publisher messaged me, I think he sent me a DM to say, uh, you know, I loved it. So oh, it, was, it the relief- must
0: have been such a relief. Yes. After all that work.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I really enjoyed learning about the magic that you did discover in the landscape, the labyrinths, Merlin and, you know, all the interesting people that you met. So how long have you been a believer in magic?
1: Well, I think so in the context of the book, I just wanted to say that I, you okay. know, I was really looking for a, a magic in a universal sense in, in the yeah. sense of having a, a relationship with a, a fluid relationship with a responsive universe that's what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say or I found you know I wasn't really going in search of mythology I, I you know I struggled with mm. that myself I find find it hard to wrap my head around that kind of thing but actual you know the kind of magic as a kid I was I was really into magic you know I was one of those kids like many yeah. I guess who wanted to go through the wardrobe um, oh my Tanania. goodness yeah I'm sure you might have been too. banging
0: the back of those wardrobes yes mean and Tanania <laughs> exactly.
1: and um yeah, no I worries. had I had a, a book called what the witch left not read that yeah it's a, it was a fantastic kids book and Um, in the book the the girl opens a drawer and in the drawer you know she's got this witchy aunt, and this witchy aunt has left this pair of seven league boots among other things and she puts Mm. these boots on and with a single step she's in another country
0: oh I love that (laughs) yeah I
1: loved all that stuff and yeah my I think my sister when she was a teenager she used to do seances and you know Mm. so I was really I was really into magic big time as a kid I I, I always have been, you know, and they're healers in my family as well. So
0: you mentioned that in your book.
1: Yes, yes, it is in the book. Yeah, yeah. My my mom tells me that her father used to perform. I remember she told me this recently, or rather, when I was writing the book, um, that my grandfather, who I never knew because he died before I was born, used to perform Mm -hmm. exorcisms.
0: is that over in South Africa? Is that's where your parents were from? Was it?
1: Yes. Yeah, that's right. So my parents are of Indian descent, but they're from South Africa. And I was born in the UK, but we moved to Canada when I was a kid.
0: So there's a quote on page 47 of Wonderland that um, I really love. It resonated with my own experiences of um, living in Guildford and London, away from the coast, really. Um, And you said, it's no coincidence, I'm sure, that the times in my life when I've been barracked by streets and dry land are those when I felt most in a shambles. And I just thought, I know exactly exactly. Mm. I know exactly what that feels like but I'd never really put it together with being away from the coast away from nature and and then it made me kind of look at it in a different way because when we were living in Guildford you know I had this just this need to go back to get the fresh air to the sea I mean and Guildford is lovely but I live by the sea and I really kind of missed just breathing in the sea air
1: Oh, well, that's and, I'm, I'm really interesting hearing this um yeah, I totally relate to that, although sadly I don't mm-hmm. live by the sea. Um, yeah. But when I was a kid, uh, when we lived in Montreal, we had the St. Lawrence River at the end of the street, and it's it's quite, mm-hmm. it's quite a really big river. It's it's a seaway, and it has rapids, so it's a kind of like rushing water. And okay. I used to go down there every day. You know, maybe it is something to do with the fact that that's what I had initially. That's what I grew up with yeah. initially. Um, I, I grew used to being around water, and I find myself feeling more expansive Mm -hmm. around water yes and I just I find water healing and soothing and I always seek to to move closer to it I mean right now uh you know I'm far from the coast but I'm, I'm on the outskirts of London in a suburb in Wimbledon. I have at the end of my street is a woods. And there is, I suppose, I was wondering, you know, could I call it a lake or is it a very big pond? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a body of, you know, a nice body of water. And I'm not far from um, the Richmond riverside. So I have that. But like you, yeah, I I, I mean, I adore the coast. And I, you know, I seem to take on my, my holidays by the coast. But there is something about water. Mm-hmm. I find, you know, if I'm swimming, I find it very healing. Mm-hmm. I find it... Um, if I'm in any kind of distress, any kind of emotional pain, going yeah. for a swim cleanses that in a very real and tangible way.
0: Yep, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I think usually if I'm upset or, you know, need to think things through, I like to head to the beach, even if I'm just sitting there watching the waves, like breathe it all in and it's all, it, I don't know, it's soothing. My aunt um, says it's Prozac, <laughs> the sea,
1: <laughs> Natural Prozac. I
0: Natural like that. Prozac, that's it, yeah. So Wonderland found its way onto many best book lists and has been shortlisted for awards such as the Wainwright Prize. And you've spoken at many festivals. You delivered the inaugural Jan Morris Lecture at the Hay Literary Festival. So what have been some of the highlights for you following the success of Wonderland? And have you encountered any challenges? Uh, Well, I
1: think highlights wise, every time somebody emails me and says, I loved your book or I enjoyed your book, that really means a lot because you want to be read, of course. Um, absolutely. absolutely. But that genuinely means a lot, a lot to me. But going to Hay was a huge deal for me. And I really enjoyed it because... The organisers were incredibly warm and welcoming. And it was also the first time that I'd ever given an actual talk as opposed to sitting with a chair and being in conversation. And I'm, I managed that okay. So I was quite pleased. That's brilliant. I'm so proud of myself. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed all the live festivals this year because, of course, last year everything was online uh, on of Zoom. Course. So when you're talking about challenges, I think doing everything online was a challenge yes. for initially because I had never done any, I'd done very little public speaking before that. I think I'd mm-hmm. only, for my first book, I'd only spoken at a couple of events. So I had a lot to overcome. So that's That's been the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that. Because writing a book is very different from promoting it and it's a different kind of skill set. And then plus, I guess, with the pandemic and all the, all the technology side to learn as well. That's, yeah. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. all of that, all of that, but also... You know, when you write a book, you have intentions Mm -hmm. and motivations for writing a book and you have this idea about what your book is going to be about, but Mm -hmm. how other people receive it can be completely different. So it was, it was getting used to that too. Sometimes I'll be doing an event um, and somebody would say, and your book is about this. And I'd be Mm. thinking in my head, okay, it maybe it is for you. It's not what I, (laughs) what my intention is, but I have, you kind of have to let go of that. Yeah. What
0: the reader brings. Mm. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, I think the reader, reader brings something too.
0: How did you go about planning the writing of Wonderland and all the journeys that you took? That doesn't look straightforward to me.
1: In terms of logistics, um, I think I wanted to do everything in about six months and then Mm -hmm. focus on the writing, but it didn't quite work out that way because there are things I I did, which uh, I decided I didn't want to keep in the book. And so I am doing the following year um but also my my entire method you know it wasn't a, a journey from a to b i wasn't mm-hmm. looking at map and saying i want to go here 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 and here i really wanted to enter into the spirit of my endeavor and uh so i i kind of was using some fairly esoteric methods i was invoking the spirit of the the landscape the divine to to guide yeah. me and then i was practicing intuition and deep listening and trust and that alongside the Googling and the research. And Mm -hmm. and so so I kind of felt like I was on a trail of breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. So 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 I would I would go and and do something and then I'd be writing notes that on the road, you know, having a little note with me. I'm I'm very good at remembering uh, emotion and feeling and reaction, but I'm not good at remembering details. So I'd be jotting down mm-hmm. details a lot, and then in the evening I'd go back to where, where wherever I was, you know, B and B or whatever, and or wherever mm-hmm. I was staying, and um, or camping or whatever, and, and I'd be writing up more fulsome, like a date, the day's note yes. a, a kind of very rough draft, and then eventually I'd go home, and then I'd try to collate that into a chapter, like a rough draft of a chapter right and then I would sort of try either I'd be inviting in the next thing or the next thing would have presented itself and then I'd go and do that Mm -hmm. so there was some order within all that Uh,
0: but I guess you didn't know what you were going to discover when you went to these places either did you necessarily so I wonder. I guess you couldn't be that prescriptive with it
1: I couldn't be prescriptive at all because I really didn't know what what was going to unfold sometimes I I was yeah kind of doing this just really trusting that something would happen mm-hmm. working this way sometimes really incredible and and for me um, and interesting synchronicities would unfold would unfold and they wouldn't have that wouldn't have happened otherwise if I hadn't gone into it with this open kind of spirit and a, and a let's see what happens none of that would have, would have transpired. But on, on the other hand, sometimes I'd be roaming around. And I was thinking, okay, nothing is happening. Uh, now what? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you can't you can't dial up an experience. You know, you just you kind of yeah. bear with it. And then something another door would open, something else. You know. And the more I did this over the period over a period of a year, the more I felt like I was mm-hmm. in, in a kind of alignment with the book and with the landscape and with, okay. with whatever guidance there was out there. And 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 then things, yeah, things did start to get more interesting for me.
0: Was there much material that didn't make it to the book?
1: Uh, I think there were a couple of like very loose ideas for chapters that didn't work. I think they had to do, they didn't work. One of one of them had to do with yew trees. And I think I right. had this idea of driving around Wales and visiting. There was a kind of yew tree trail. But then I thought, hang on, I don't drive. Who am I going to ah. get to take me out? To the <laughs> for the space of a weekend, okay. all these trees. So I thought that's not going to work. And the other thing had to do with fairies in Cumbria. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, again, I thought you know I was searching Intriguing. high and low, you know, um, and and again it was simply logistics. I didn't have a car, and the friend who lived nearby wasn't wasn't you know wasn't around or couldn't take the mm-hmm. time. off. Or, so I I let that go, and I my attitude was, well, if it's not working out, it's not meant to be.
0: Okay, so what's next for you? Are you writing anything at the moment?
1: So I've been working on a proposal and it is with my agent. So waiting and seeing what's going to happen there. But I, you know, I do other things too. I'm writing features, still writing features. You know, I really love working with aspiring writers. So I have a kind of Ooh, consultancy yeah. on the side.
0: Oh, excellent. Where can people find out more about the consultancy and your other writing?
1: Uh, on my website www.ginnyready.co.uk and i'm also on twitter and instagram
0: brilliant i'll drop a link to all those in the show notes thank you so much for joining us today it's been really great to talk to you
1: it's been an absolute pleasure and it's so nice to catch up with you victoria
0: thank you so much for listening to the best guest podcast today i'll talk to you again in the next episode